You're listening to Consolidate That. Welcome back to Consolidate That, Ivan. Great to see you again. FYI, I am absolutely freezing in my house today. It is colder in my house than it is outside. So that's how I'm doing today. How are you? Oh, yeah. In Texas, what does that mean, cold? It's 62 in here. Yeah, right. I can see the ice fishing fishermen starting this week. So that's... Well, the that's, leaves have changed cold. here. So it's getting pretty chilly. Right. All right. What do we want to talk about today? <laughs> well, we have a guest today. So I think it would be awesome to dive into our guest here, who's a very, very special person on our team, our COO, Emmett Nance. I'll let you introduce Emmett because you guys have worked together in some great different capacities. We sure had. Very, very excited to have you here, Emmett, today. So Emmett has been a part of Vitionary Family for nearly two decades, from Benfield to SmartFlow, where we stole him from, to IDEX and now Galaxy Vets. He is driven by a personal mission to make the Vitionary domain better. Having experience in analytics and financial modeling, he expanded his education to MBA, Six Sigma, and project management. Emmett applied these learnings by creating large-scale operational improvements for the entire Benfield network with a focus on improving the employee and client satisfaction. Emmett brings a breadth of experience and a strong passion for operational improvement in veterinary hospitals to the role. Emmett, welcome to the show. Thank you for finding the time. Yeah, thanks, Ivan. Thanks, Ryan. Pretty excited to be here. So many things we can talk about. The reason why we wanted to kind of bring you in early in this season is because a lot of what we do in Galaxy is sort of following this theory of constraint and everything that we view as the process is sort of folding in understanding of that. And this is sort of a part of our culture. So can you kick us off and talk about what is the theory of constraint? Where did you get introduced to it? And what is that beast? Yeah, Absolutely. The Theory of Constraints is one of my favorite platforms. You mentioned I've got background in Six Sigma project management certification. I've led large-scale, multi-year projects in, in large network like Banfield before. And so I've gone through a lots of different training and application of different things. But I found the, the book, The Goal by Eliyahu Goldratt, which introduces the theory of constraints quite early in my career. And I've been applying that because it, it really simplifies the whole concept of just continuous process improvement. It's something I like to do constantly. Everybody has the opportunity to do it, whether it's in their daily lives or in their professional lives. The theory of constraints is really fairly simple to say there's a beginning and an end of every process. There's those points in between, those milestones or those tasks that you do. And in any process, there's a bottleneck. There's a constraint. If you identify that constraint and you put a plan to make that constraint better, you've increased the capacity of the entire system. So when you start to think about it, that can apply to so many different things. Driving down the freeway, the slowest driver is the constraint. If you can get them out of the way, you increase the total throughput of the freeway, for example, or even within the veterinary hospitals, there's some things we could talk about of applying theory of constraints. But again, I love it so much because it makes it simple. Identify the bottleneck, fix the bottleneck, the whole system gets better. It's a lot easier to apply than all these other things that I've learned, although they're very valuable as well. So I remember when you first time introduced me to the goal, and actually I didn't have a sort of interest or passion to learn about the goal, or the, I didn't know it was about theory of constraint. When I met you when you joined SmartFlow, you told me that there's the book that is your favorite. And I tend to do that when I really want to understand people and they, if they say what their favorite book is, I would read that book and understand the way you're thinking. And then I was a bit skeptical 
when I started. <laughs> and then, Still probably uh, are. <laughs> no, but it was fascinating. I mean, the whole thing, it made complete sense from the smart flow perspective. I think that's where we clicked even more. I was like, oh, holy shit, this is like, this is actually very interesting. It applies directly to what we're doing in smart flow. So the one thing that was also fascinating that the first step to actually think about the theory of constraint or looking for bottleneck is to actually outline what is that value stream. So a very uh, known concept in Lean and Six Sigma, I believe, value stream mapping. So can you talk a little bit about what that is like and maybe an application to something like consolidation? Yeah, for sure. Well, value stream mapping, I think you guys have talked about it on a number of different episodes, uh, at least a couple of times for our call. But it's kind of what I was saying with that idea. There's a beginning, there's an end, and there's all the middle pieces. Well, the value stream really is about what is the value of the output associated with that value stream? What's that desired outcome? How do you measure it? Value is generally something people are willing to pay for or some kind of return on engagement there. So a value stream map is going to mark each of those components to get it through that system. Where do you start? What's the trigger? What, what brings it into the system? And what are each of those pieces to pull it through so that you get the desired outcome? And one of the cool things about value stream mapping you start to overlay with that is you know the ability to measure. There's two pieces to it. Like how much time does it take to do a task? And then how much time is there in between tasks? And all of that adds up to the amount of time it takes to get through. Well, that time can be one of those constraints associated with the value stream that you want to then identify each of those components. So applying it to the theory of constraints, it's one of the first things I start to look for is there's delay time and there's activity time. Where do you have the bottleneck associated with time delay in a value stream? Because if you can decrease that, well, you increase the total capacity and the throughput of an entire, the entire value stream. So it really is just about mapping all those pieces measuring the throughput of those and identifying where you've got those considerations. When I apply that to hospital operations, one thing I generally look at a lot is the doctor is the constraint within that system of seeing a patient come through the hospital. And it should be. What that actually is telling us is we need to optimize the total throughput capacity of the, the veterinarian and make sure everything else, systems, people, check-in, everything else is has got additional capacity to the doctor so that the limitation is really that point of the flow. You asked about the application of it to consolidation. I look at it really, you guys have talked a bit, Kanban methodology, you can start to apply it there. We take value stream mapping into a Kanban design because Kanban is about measuring the throughput of a system as well. And there's upstream and downstream. One of the great places to apply this might be in the M&A side. We could talk to that a little bit because when you talk about wanting to get so many LOIs, for example, to come through that upstream system, from a marketing and an engagement through LOI to an actual close, well, there's a conversion rate for each one of those. You're going to have to have a whole lot more people interested than you actually end up closing. But there's a number of steps that come through that. And if financial modeling, for example, is your limitation, and you can identify that and say, look, we can do one a week in financial modeling, well, that's going to limit your entire flow. And if you want to get more throw through that M&A, well, you're going to have to figure out how to increase your financial modeling component of that value stream because the value output of that stream is more hospitals to close. So we can certainly start to apply theory of constraints to even that type of an example to say identify the bottleneck, increase the bottleneck, and the whole system is improved. Am I right? I know we've known each other now just for a few months, but am I right? You actually started in the veterinary industry working in a practice, right? Yeah, I did. As I've been said in my introduction about 20 years ago, I was doing a small startup in agriculture is where I started and I have some um, experience in entrepreneurship there. 
That didn't quite work out. And at the time, I was doing my executive MBA with uh, Carrie Marshall, who's well-known within the industry. She was in the MBA with me and introduced me to Banfield. And so my first introduction to Banfield was running one of their larger locations as the hospital manager. The reason I say that, I think it's interesting because, you know, I have... I have not worked closely within a hospital, but I've spent a lot of time around it and and in the industry now. But what are things that you can take from within the hospital or or tools or processes that veterinarians and veterinary teams are used to using that we can use at the consolidation at the corporate level to be able to solve those problems that we're coming across? So how can we start to apply some of these theories or this visibility or some systems in order to help with those those flows within the hospital? It's going to really aggregate to uh, performance within the, the own organization is that yeah where we're going? yeah something something beyond you know what we're looking at the, at the corporate level but things that that people that are within the clinic that they're going to be used to seeing and doing and you know the steps that they're yeah. used to taking that we're also reflecting in the greater organization yeah well some things that that i tend to get on a soapbox about i'll try not to get too too high on my soapbox here but in an organization uh, especially consolidating veterinary hospitals it's a service industry. What we're really trying to do here is make sure that we deliver good service to the pet owners such that they come back and they tell their friends. I mean, at the bare bones of what we're trying to do, we're trying to do that at scale. And one of my favorite terms is the term internal service begets external service. So if you don't have happy employees and excited employees that love what they do, they're not going to deliver good service and therefore you're not going to have repeat customers or referral customers. So your business starts to decline. And I'm setting it up that way because what we've got to do is make sure that we remove barriers, we create predictability, we increase the viability of working for your organization in those frontline roles. So if you take the theory of constraints kind of a concept, you can start to apply it to any component of a value stream within the veterinary hospitals and help them remove those barriers or help them increase the, the predictability or the throughput of those. So you can apply it to inventory management. The check-in process, the scheduling process, the employee scheduling process, the lab component of the process, the exam room engagement, the surgical process, all of those can have a defined point of trigger uh, engagement and value outcome that you can then identify constraint in and, and start to improve it. So at an aggregate level, at a consolidator level, Ryan, I look for ways that you can put systems or processes or people in that make those bottlenecks improve. And when you start, what's great about it at a consolidator level, it's not just one hospital getting those improvements. You can start to apply it to multiple hospitals and see the aggregate improvement across the organization. The one thing that I want to be a little bit provocative about is that you can't really scale everything from one hospital to a group of hospitals. And that's, I think, that the mistake that I've seen is that someone thinks that if you know, a good doctor ran three hospitals as sort of an owner of three hospitals, even nine or 10. And then the management teams at consolidation, they think, okay, this is going to be a great operator. What I found is actually it doesn't map out that way because what you can do at three hospitals, you can't do at a hundred and what you can do at 10, you can't do at a 30. So it's a very different set of skills. One thing is knowing how the hospital works. And one thing is knowing how organization works. They're two different things. And I think that's very important because a lot of consolidators are hiring vets to be in the operational roles and they're literally setting them up for failure because they're not 
trained to do that. I mean, the, the fact that you could run three simultaneously hospitals, you just know exactly how one hospital runs and you could scale it to three, but you can't apply it to that many. So just wanted to insert it there. But one thing that you said, Emmett, about the soapbox, I want to get you on your soapbox. There's a soap concept that you took from the medicine, so from subjective, objective assessment and plan, and then you applied it back to manage the hospitals. And I thought it was very, very clever way of doing it. So can you open up a little bit on that? And what does that mean? That's an awesome segue. I appreciate that from my soapbox to the soap format. That's uh, pretty, pretty slick. And I also like the provocation of what you're saying too, because my previous response to Ryan is at an aggregate level, at a consolidator level, there's a number of things you can do there. But to the point you're making too, which also segues into the soap concept, is there's so much that is actually unique in the hospital that is kind of specific to that hospital that doesn't necessarily scale. And one of the great things you should really do to get huge success in an organization is empower people to make decisions and make improvements and always focus on continuous improvement of their role and responsibility. From that, you're going to get some things that you might, might be able to scale to an organization. But if you do set the organization up to be where we have to make all these big decisions and push it down, people are going to get blocked. They're going to get frustrated. They're not going to feel empowered. So yeah, going to this SOAP format concept and applying it to theory of constraints it's just a, it's worked really well. We've got some really good results out of it over a number of applications in the years. And to your point, it's the subjective objective assessment plan concept that all veterinary teams are, are familiar with. And you take it to the theory of constraints. If you map out your value stream, identify the constraint, you create an opportunity statement. That opportunity statement might is built around, I want to see something improve. A common example I like to use is wait times. Customers are complaining about wait time. It's actually burdening the hospital. It's frustrating. I want to fix it. I don't need somebody big to fix it. I don't need to be an organizational fix. I need to fix this in my hospital. So the opportunity statement is to fix wait times. So then applying the SOAP format, we start with subjective feedback. And I just say, meet with the team. Talk to them about why do you think customers are being delayed? Why are they frustrated with wait times? What are some of those things that you hear constantly? What, a, you know, what is your interpretation of this? Get that subjective feedback, even get it from some customers that have complained if you can get that feedback as well. From that, you then go to an objective format. Objective is going to be looking at the data, right? Observing behaviors, taking some of that non-subjective feedback, putting some data behind it so that you can measure it. So I look at time from check-in to check-out. You can pull that kind of information from most BIMs. For time from scheduled appointment to scheduled start. So wait time is generally, I thought we were starting at noon, but we started at 12.15. What the heck's going on? So looking for some of that and then observing these as well. From the subjective and objective perspective, then you make a diagnosis, right? Just like you're running diagnostics on the pet, you're going to make a diagnosis. It's got some hypothetical or some hypothesis, <laughs> if you will, that you're then going to try to prove out. From the assessment piece, then you go into a plan. I like to put it in a smart format. You can put it in any type of format. But the most important is to say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to change this thing that we think is a, one of the key drivers that's causing wait time to be a problem. Then you're going to put a measure or the current measure and the desired outcome, and you're gonna put a time frame to it. So you can say in two weeks, I wanna see wait time go from 10 minutes to five minutes or from 20 minutes to five minutes. Then you can test whether your plan actually worked. And if it didn't, try something different. If it did, find another process you wanna improve and re rinse and repeat the process. So that's my application of SOAP in the hospital, it engages the team, it makes it short, digestible, uh, manageable. And over the course of the year, you've done a lot of these, you see a lot of continuous improvement. 
I love that. I love the uh, the whole transit, and and it's easy for people that were in the hospital or or used to the soap format of the medical records to apply that. One thing that that when you were talking about the subjective part of it, when it's meet with the team and ask them, that is fundamental to anything that you're trying to fix in the organization. If you have no idea what's going on, what the problem is, you can't find it. And it's shocking how much people actually don't do that. So big part of lean and healthcare when I was researching that was this Gemba sort of concept, as you know, from, from lean is actually seeing and going where the work is happening. So it was in uh, San Francisco General, the CEO. First of all, she had all her work exposed on the whiteboard outside of her office. Anybody could walk up and understand what CEO is doing today. And then she would go once a week and actually be in the stand-up meetings and in the rounds with the doctors, nurses. She was changed the wards every week, but she would see where the problems are coming from and hearing them firsthand, which is, I think, fundamental to it. And then the other concept, when you were talking about the A of the SOAP, so the assessment portion of it, uh, I don't know if you were experimented in sort of doing there this, this sort of the five why when you were kind of yes. arriving to it. So now you collected the subjective, and then you go to uh, to objective, which is you're collecting the data, which is why it's important that every process that you design it's, that has metrics on it. But can you talk then a little bit about the five why concept? Yeah, I appreciate you teeing that up. It crossed my mind as I was explaining, but I didn't want to take up too much airtime. So I'll take up a little more now. Five whys is something that's uh, really from a lean methodology concept. And it's I like to liken it to a small child. They're really curious about the world and they tend to ask why a lot. Even if you give them an answer, they'll continue to ask you why, right? Most of the time we end that conversation with because I said so, because we get frustrated. But it's really a good tool to be able to dig in. So if I go back to what I was using as an example with the wait time, you know, we might say as we're getting some of the subjective feedback and we're trying to assess what's really going on, we continue to do the five whys with the why are customers waiting so long? Why is it? And one of the things that comes out of subjective might be, in theory, that we always get out of lunch late and we end up starting our appointments late because of that. And so people are end up waiting at just cascades. We never get back on track. Why are you getting out of lunch late? We start our lunch late because surgeries ran long. Why are surgeries running long? Well, surgeries are supposed to start at 8.30, but mostly by the time they start at 9.30 because we're waiting for the doctor to assess all the, the blood work and everything. So we schedule five appointments with the idea we'll start at 8.30, but we usually start at 9.30, so everything runs long. Why are we having to run blood work when the doctor shows up? Why can't we do that ahead of time? Or you know, we start to ask some additional whys. And what we've done is we've got to the root cause problem that happens every single day about what's causing those wait times to kick off wrong. And then we can put a solution to the actual root cause. So a solution in this example might be, well, let's actually have the support staff, the technicians start an hour earlier, run the blood work, have it already there, prioritize the surgical list and just have the doctor approve it and get started at 8.30 and test whether that actually gets a good result. So that'd be my example of an application of five whys in this. It's funny, Ivan, you, earlier, Ivan, you said you learn about somebody by their favorite book. Well, my favorite <laughs> book when I was a kid was the big book of Tell Me Why, because I would do that too often. That's why you're so annoying. I would say, why is it like this? And eventually my dad got me a book that he would say, go see if the answer's in your book. And so I'd go up to well, my room so cool. and I had to get the book and then I'd have to find it. It was basically an encyclopedia. And I'd just, yep, yep, here we go. There we go. Wow. So that's awesome. Now you know. (laughs) That's phenomenal. I love the whole aspect of it. And one thing that I I think is really important when when we were talking about then the last portion, the plan, 
And you said you like to set them at the SMART goals. One thing that we are implementing in Galaxy, which is really important, is that this sort of a similar process of creating every solution to the problem we have. And from Lean, I, I sort of learned this sort of PDSA cycle, as they call it. And then there is this concept of A3 piece of paper on which it was sort of a structured approach. But uh, can you take us through sort of how do we find the solutions to the problems that we diagnosed at Galaxy? We're building the Galaxy way with this uh, repeatable process that you're talking about. I love this process because it follows this, but a little more rigorous and structured. And it's a design thinking kind of philosophy. And it it actually goes through a similar process because the first phase is observe and interview. Right? We want to make sure that we're actually doing some of that subjective in, uh, engagement and understanding what's going on to be able to make sure that we identify the root cause and the opportunity. And then we go into some clustering and some point of view so we could create ideas around solutions. So we know that we're actually solving against that root problem. From that, we'll test and prototype different concepts and then we'll create a solution that we know is actually going to deliver value. So we'll start by mapping out the value stream, observing, interviewing, getting a sense of what we're really trying to solve and put it through that rigorous process. So we're doing that every single time with every initiative. Back to Ryan's comment earlier, at a consolidator level, we're doing this with every one of these so that when we actually take it to the hospital, we can clarify what is the problem we're solving, how are we solving it, and then engage in change management and getting fairly rigorous around those types of things too, such that any solution we put in place is definitely going to get results. I appreciate it. You said you didn't want to take up too much airtime and our sponsors told us that we're running out of this week's time available. <laughs> Ivan's our sponsor though, so yeah, you can blame him. Yeah. But it's time for a commercial break. We always like to wrap up and we're wrapping right. up season two with an idea of what you think we could talk about in another episode, perhaps with you or with someone else on the team at Galaxy Vets. What do you think would be another great episode that we should do? Well, I really like where we were going a little bit ago with the idea of theory of constraints into the M&A process. It'd be great, I think, to probably dig into that uh, a little bit more and what that M&A flow looks like and how do you identify those bottlenecks and start to improve some stuff. It feels like that'd be a pretty decent segue to dig a little deeper from a consolidator perspective. We can do that. And then what... You mentioned the the book, The Goal, which I think is yep. great. And I actually think is really fun to listen to on audio because they have like actors doing the voices and all that stuff. So it's pretty fun. What's another book that you'd recommend for people to read besides The Goal? Yeah, I actually have three that I recommend for my team anytime I've gone in anywhere. The Goal is definitely at the top of that from continuous improvement perspective. Raving Fans. I love Raving Fans. It's a small little book that just really says, identify what your customers need. Give them that plus a little bit more. So even to the value stream concept, identifying the value at the end, Raving Fans is fantastic for that by Ken Blanchard. And then Radical Candor by Kim Scott is the other one that I want my teams always to read. So when you're building a consolidator group, the ability to have candid interactions, feedback, and discussions is critical. So I always recommend to my team the goal Raving Fans and Radical Candor. I love those three. Awesome. Well, Emmett, thank you so much for being with us this week. I know we'll have you back for some more episodes as well. And I hope you have a great rest of the day. Look forward to it. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ivan. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to Consolidate That. If you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at vetintegrations.com.